0: Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I am Heather Hoops Matthews here in the studio with Nixon Pruitt healthcare attorney, Matthew Roberts. Matthew, good to be with you. Good to be here. We have continued to go through a great time of change with COVID, right? The last year and a half, but um, in doing these weekly podcasts with you, I've also realized just the healthcare industry is in a great time of change.
1: It is. It is. Uh, COVID's gotten everyone preoccupied, but healthcare has gone on and the need to change healthcare, the need to reform continues to be there. And so we've seen some innovators like the uh, Dr. Ennis, we're gonna be speaking with today, uh, come up with models that are different in a, in a way that which we need, um, that provide more and better access. So it's exciting to be able to talk about some of the innovation that's happening in healthcare now.
0: I'm really looking forward to learning more about this because this is brand new for me. So for those of you listening and watching after our short break, we'll be speaking with internal medicine and pediatrics physician, Dr. Corianus, who founded her own direct primary care practice in 2015. So stay with us for Taking the Pulse. Welcome back, everyone. Joining us today is Dr. Corey Annis, the founder and owner of Unorthodox, a medical practice that operates without the constraints of insurance in order to provide patients with affordable, relationship-driven primary health care. Dr. Annis, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm really happy to be here. Now, you practice medicine in the traditional insurance-based model, which many of us are probably accustomed to, before creating an orthodox. Can you begin by describing some of the barriers to care or other problems that you witnessed with the uh, health insurance system? Sure. Well, the I, I want to start this by saying something that
2: gets lost in the sauce a lot by... Um, trying to figure out who's at fault for why our system is the way it is essentially he who pays the piper gets to call the tune and the the hard part with letting so much of our care decisions be turned over to outside entities whether it's governmental employer-based insurance company based or whatever is that um they those people need to know what it is they're paying for you want you don't buy anything without um knowing what it is you're paying for. You know, the, the common person doesn't and neither do insurance companies, uh, governments, and employers, they wanna know what they're paying for. So they first they have to get their nose in your business, which uh, more and more people don't like and more and more the, the number of noses in our business keeps getting bigger and bigger. And when it comes to healthcare, which is supposed to be a, a, a trusted and private relationship that has really created some problems. Um, The biggest um, impediment to having good relationships with our patients, which I think every doctor actually wants, is that the fee-for-service model that insurance puts out, like fee-for-service, you know, you come in, you get a service, you pay for it, we're done, it's a transaction, Um, the fee-for-service model, pushes doctors and patients into smaller and smaller time frames for dealing with each other. And this is where the famous, you know, seven and a half minute appointment comes from. Because if you're, if you have to fight any entity for the money that you would be paid to see somebody, you have to keep seeing more and more patients and cramming them into a smaller space to break even. And it, so what's wrong with the system, the way it stands, the fee for service system, the way it stands is It incentivizes the wrong things. And on top of um, insurance, really only paying doctors for the longest time for what we do to you rather than what we do for you, we've ended up with um, the mess that we have today, too short of appointments, too many people, not enough doctors, and everybody is mad at everybody about how it's turning out. Um, The I was lucky enough to actually be an owner of the practice that I was in. I haven't worked for anybody Um, since I came out of medical school. I've worked for myself, but even working for myself and controlling as much as we could, we, we were constantly running against the clock faster and faster as the years went by. And I realized that I came into this business to work for my patients, not for the person or the entity that holds their payment card.
1: Well, that's a good introduction to unorthodox mission, which is to provide easily accessible, low cost health care and a trusting relationship through direct primary care through the direct primary care model. Can you talk a little bit about direct primary care and how you use that model in your practice unorthodox?
2: Yes. Be careful, though. When I start talking about direct primary care, I can go on and on the um, because it's, a, it's such an exciting and innovative model and it's so simple. Um, you know, and it was interesting. It's been interesting to me when I start talking about direct primary care that sometimes I have people who ask me what primary care actually is. You know, what does that mean? Okay, and the fact that many people don't know what that means means that the whole system has failed. Right, 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 <laughs>
0: right. yeah.
1: yeah. A, it is what you're lost. Helping. Our way a little bit. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Your primary care is what your it, it should be the bulk of your interaction with your healthcare system. It should be the place where you get your physicals, where you get most of your urgent care, where you get your preventive advice, where you get um, uh, chronic disease management and hopefully improvement. Um, And that is not what's happening today. Essentially, people are going into what should be their primary care provider, um, their pediatrician, their internist, their family doctor, their OBG, their GYN. And um, they're, are being quickly triaged and shuttled to the next most expensive level um, to the specialists. Or, you know, if you've got a primary care doctor who only has five to 10 minutes to do something, they're going to probably default to um, writing a prescription, uh, sending folks for a study, sending them to a specialist, sending them to the emergency room, or admitting them to the hospital. And essentially, that means that the profit. The, the money is flowing into the large systems um, and, the, and the systems are set up to make sure that doctors keep doing that because they can't actually do what they want to do, is, which is sit down, talk to the patient and figure out a, the unique way of dealing with one person at a time. Um, <clears throat> so primary care should be where you get everything, uh, almost everything, I'm not going to do surgery, um, but <laughs> you know <the clears throat> it should be the first place you stop when you've got any question about your health or about illness. Um, The unfortunate thing with um, the unintended consequence of the Affordable Care Act in trying to mandate that insurance companies pay for a certain amount of preventive care means that when that slops over onto primary care, it takes something that is actually simple and cheap and turns it into something that is complex and expensive. Um, It's like telling state pharma or your auto insurance, that they now have to pay for your gas, your oil changes, and your um, regular maintenance. But you've got a different card than the guy standing at the gas station next to you, and you won't get your bill for four months for your for whatever gas you know for the gas that you've just purchased. It creates good that kind of yeah. It's it it and it's you know and it's really sad because it that that smoke and mirrors that's applied to the rest of the healthcare industry, not knowing, not having any price transparency, when that's slopped over onto primary care, it becomes a nightmare because we should be the easiest, right. We should be the easiest thing to see. So um,
0: go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to step over you, but I, I'm just so learning about this. So when you say direct primary care, as I understand it, like I, I would pay a fixed monthly fee, right? To have a membership fee, where I would um, be able to come see you, and um, it would be different than concierge medicine, I think. And so, if you you could explain like what that what that is, how how you're set up, exactly.
2: Well, and it, it's a it's a very different model, and it's probably the only model of healthcare that incentivizes the doctor to keep you healthy. Um, If you're, if we're direct primary care, first of all, let me address the direct part, basically means taking all the other horses out of the trough that need to be paid, all of the middlemen in between, and my patient paying me directly and me being directly responsible to my patient. So that's where the direct in primary care comes from. And most of the models for direct primary care are based on a membership model, similar to a gym membership, you know, or a membership in a community supported agriculture, where you pay for something that you are going to use in an ongoing fashion. You may not know exactly when you're gonna use it, but you're gonna use it in the future. And one of the things that does for the physician is it stabilizes it stabilizes the cash flow into the office, which means the doctor does not have to go scrambling after every dime um, from mm-hmm. someone else other than you, um, you the patient. So it means that I don't have to have a, a, a department of coders and billers and folks that are, their only job is to run after the money from the insurance company. So it immediately makes everything cheaper and means I can work in less space because I don't have to house all those people. Um, but it then sets up, uh, a, everything else in healthcare is tipped towards, you get more money if the patient is sicker. Now, nobody, nobody admits that. It's, it's kind of a silent underground percent, um, uh, uh, perception but in in an office like ours i do better when you do better if if you're giving me a membership to come and you have regular access to me through text phone video yeah, what, is, what does that access look like yes yeah well the you know i i'm going to stop short of saying it's 24 hour access just because i like to sleep <laughs> <So>. <laughs> good good you know, but we have we because we don't have to protect me um, and, and keep the patients coming in and sitting in the office in order to get paid, it means that the way we interact with patients can be, can be as broad as the way you would interact with anybody. So we have a secure texting program, which patients love because they can ask me questions when they're thinking about them. And I get back to them immediately if I have to happen to be looking at the texting program or I get back to them the next day. Um, if they need, have a need that is more urgent than that, I have a radio wave pager um and they page me and it's and and because my patients know that they can get me in in many uh, get to me and get their questions answered in many other ways they are incredibly respectful about how they when they push the urgent the emergency button um and then we can do video we've been able to do video since we opened in 2015. it hasn't it wasn't very popular until the pandemic came but we were already there to do that and um and then we have of course in-office visits and Sometimes we have in-car visits and sometimes we have in-home visits, you know, so it's the nice thing is that for us visit means when the, the two of us get together and solve a problem, you know, or change management or, or pat each other on the back because we're doing a great job. Um, but the beautiful thing about it is that the system, the, this system, this tiny, simple system rewards me for keeping you healthy. Because when you've paid me up front or you've paid me in a membership, it's like the, the, if I do my job really well up front and keep you healthy and happy and educated so that you know how to take care of the next thing that happens, then I don't see you very often. I don't have to see you very often.
1: If a person, if a person is having some issues and they see you, let's say, a couple, three, four times a month, do they pay more for that month than they do in a, in a patient that, that doesn't see you at all?
2: yes and i i think that that's um uh what we have is a 20 visit fee when mm-hmm. for whatever whatever we can define visit as you know it means that we've come together and we've changed we've changed something so however that happens we have a 20 visit fee um which means that the people that don't see me very often aren't paying that they don't have to and the people who do see me very often are not it's not robbing them blind you know 20 bucks mm-hmm. is Right. Basically, what twenty bucks does for us is help us make sure that we replace whatever gets used on the patient's behalf—the table paper, the temperature probes, the 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 software that we use to communicate with them. You know, there's, you know, the they're the the twenty dollars is you know not onerous, and I don't call it a copay because it's not copay implies somebody else is paying something else for you like an insurance company. It's not a copay. we. Call it a visit fee, but what it is is a sustainability fee. It means the things that that go out from us because you came in. You know, I shouldn't charge everybody else for that. I should just charge the people who sat on the table paper. <laughs> you, know, so, you, you mentioned so insurance. we keep our, our monthly. Oh, I'm I was just sorry. Gonna go say ahead. That, no, the um, the uh, um, the people who who don't need to come in and see us very often don't have to pay that, and the twenty. You know, basically, the twenty dollars sustains us. You know, so it's best okay. called a sustainability fee rather than a visit fee. But I would have okay. to explain sustainability and I never have to explain visit.
1: <laughs> right. You mentioned insurance. What happens with people who want to sign up for a direct primary care program like yours, but they have insurance, either through their employer or, or wherever. Um, can they use any of their insurance benefits with you? How does that work?
2: With me, no. But can they use their insurance benefits, yes. Um, as, and. Yeah, I want to make sure people understand that the existence of uh, direct primary care is not anti-insurance. You know, insurance needs to. We need to have insurance to insure us against financial calamity. That's what homeowners insurance and car insurance and all other insurance is about. Um, you want to have enough insurance that you don't go bankrupt if the worst happens in any given year. Right. Um, so we encourage our patients to have insurance. Um, we just are sort of innovating a way of taking the simple stuff out of out from under insurance, um, and so if a patient comes to me with a specific insurance that they want to use for their mammograms or their um, their studies or their labs or their um, visit to um, specialist, uh, I respect I respect that. I I ask them. You know, I ask them to do a little legwork for me, which is, you know, look at their website and make sure they can actually see the person that they want to see on that specific insurance and then we send the referral to the person that their insurance company pays for. You know, that's a that's a more expensive level of care and those are the kinds of things that insurance should handle.
1: Right. But 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 you don't get payments directly from insurance. No. I don't file them. I, right, don't right, them. Right, I don't pay them. I don't right, even right.
2: have the software to process that stuff anymore.
1: Lucky you. <laughs> <No>.
2: <laughs> right. Lucky me. So yeah, we just don't have to get into that at all. But um, the probably the best, uh, the best. I do want to say something about when people have insurance that's high deductible, which for most people that's like having no insurance at all because right. everything right. falls on their high deductible insurance plan. Um, if ninety, essentially, it's almost like a casino because the if ninety three percent of Americans don't reach their deductible in any given year or that is that's the 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 truth 93 percent of people don't reach their deductible every year so they're paying into they're paying exorbitant prices compared to what i can do for them um just to try to win the um their deductible lottery and they're mostly not going to get there so if not then why don't we treat the deductible as something that they you know it, it is an emergency fund they should you know somewhere have an, you know, enough to meet their deductible if they need to. But in the meantime, I'm going to direct them to stuff that actually doesn't have to cost $3,800. Let's say that's a low, that's actually a low price for, say, a colonoscopy. Well, in our community, if I go directly to another gastroenterologist and have them do it for me, we can do it for $675. You know, and if you have to have a diagnostic colonoscopy, that there's a huge savings that does huge. not, and it doesn't yeah. have to hit your deductible. So, right. um, the the, my job one of the things that i can do that a fee-for-service doctor can't do is i can tell you how much something's going to cost before i send you there okay if you ask another doctor who works in fee-for-service they'll say and you say what's this going to cost me doc they will say i I don't know it depends on your insurance
1: which is not their problem which is not their problem
2: right right and there's no way to keep track of it You know there's no way to keep track of it even if we only had four or five major insurers which oh by the way that's probably all we do now have now but um the you can't keep track of it and so the very people who are supposed to be interested with bending the cost curve down have no idea what anything costs nothing so this is really fascinating oh yeah (laughs) thank you yeah
1: it's interesting so the, the, the it puts you back in the position of coordinating the care the primary care physician coordinating the care which is how it used to be.
0: I, that's what I was thinking way, way yeah, back, it, right?
1: Yes, but it, it no longer because of the way the insurance models have developed. So it's it, that's what makes it unique and, and, uh-huh. and I think attractive to a lot of people because you help them navigate after if they need to go beyond you where to go.
2: Yeah, yeah. It- I really do serve as the the hub at this, you know, at the center of a wheel because I want when they go out, I want to make sure we get that information back and that we're accumulating information on their behalf in the place they need it most, um, mm-hmm. which is with their trusted health advisor and with them. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the records that we bring in are as transparent to the patients as they can be, uh, because we we're actually partnering with them to advance their health, and
0: um, you know so folks like that one final question for you today because i think we need to do like part two because i have a thousand questions i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) matthew we can do that (laughs) yeah i can do it forever okay good um and then then move down to south carolina because i know you're in north (laughs) carolina Um, what about concierge service concierge medicine you're you're a little different is that right Yeah, we we
2: are different, but concierge medicine, I think opened the door for this, the kind of innovation that we're doing. But I've told people before, when I say I do direct primary care and we do this membership thing, they say, oh, you're concierge medicine. And I'm like, I have to then qualify it by saying, well, if you're going to use the term concierge, then you need to call us blue collar concierge. Because concierge medicine was, I think, initially set up with the idea that some people would like to have more services from their doctor, more time, more attention, and they were willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So uh, concierge practices sprang up that would both take your insurance and charge uh, some kind of premium or membership on top to make sure that you had the best possible um, health experience, which also says if you're completely run by if you take money only from the insurance companies, we can guarantee you will not have the best health experience. But the idea was that that additional money gave the doctors some breathing room and they could work with fewer patients and you know have, have not have to chase down their payments all the time. Um, and in some ways, I mean, people like that, but it's kind of out of reach for your average Joe. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, we just got rid of the insurance companies and, and started charging people what it actually costs or what we think it actually should cost. And um, so it, it is, it's a, a people pay more for their cell phone bill every month than they pay for us. I'll give you an example. The most that anyone pays in our practice this year in 2021 is $55 a month. And that's for an adult who is coming in by themselves. We do discounts when people pay annually and we do discounts when a family of four or more joins us. So, you know, it's, it's, our pricing is really simple and it's on our website.
1: You know, right.
2: like speaking of transparency
1: we, we, yeah. we do need to to bring you back because that that i there are lots of questions we could ask yeah and well, um, i would love it, it seems
0: so simple it seems yeah. like this makes sense common Which sense is,
1: is what makes it so effective because it is simple
0: right right and, well, insu- it, it, and insurance simple, is very complicated people like me like this is well insurance is it. very complicated right. by design so. right dr corianis Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, You know, I'm fascinated by what you do, and I do hope that we can have you back on uh, the next edition of Taking the Pulse. Thank you. I would love to. Thanks. All right. Matthew, good to be with you again today. Um, I'm sure we're going to continue to see this sort of thing.
1: Hopefully this is a growing trend because it provides folks more easy access at a lower cost to the care that they most need which is primary care mm-hmm. which helps prevent a lot of very very expensive and debilitating chronic conditions
0: yeah because you don't go to your doctor you wait until it gets too bad wait right? until you're sick right right all right well we hope those of you who've been listening and watching today enjoyed this conversation and we hope to see you next time right here on taking the pulse a health podcast